It's a pleasure to welcome one of our favorite golf insiders from the Golf Channel and host of Morning Drive, Damon Hack. How are you, my friend? I'm doing fine, Holly G. I hope you're well and staying safe as well. We are, my uh, four-legged family over here. Have you been out playing any golf? You know what I, I have? I played uh, at the Ritz-Carlton uh, Grand Lakes on Wednesday. A buddy turned 50, and I wanted to take him out. We played 18 holes, uh, and I played pretty well. Uh, then I took my boys out about a week, week and a half ago. We played nine holes at the Ritz. And, you know, some courses are closed, but the Ritz is one of the courses that's open. They've stayed pretty busy. All the, the folks there that work there are, are happy to have some some members that are playing and some folks coming into play to keep uh, keep that golf economy at least in that small little part of the world at the Ritz uh, going pretty well. Did I see some pictures of you sporting a little beard, Mr. Hack? That would be true. Uh, I guess you call it a quarantine beard or a stay-at-home beard. Yeah, you know, we were off the air for some time on Morning Drive and we're doing some social media postings, Instagram and, and Twitter, but we weren't on TV, so I had a beard growing, had a little more gray than I expected. Uh, I think uh, parenthood has a lot to do with that, but we're back on the air as of this past Monday at 9 a.m. Uh, Eastern time, so I decided to, to bring the, the baby face uh, back, so the, the, the beard is uh, Well, I'm. it's great to see Morning Drive back on. Um, I think we're all getting used to this very organic um, stay-at-home broadcasting, including myself here with our podcasting. Uh, tell me how that has gone so far. It's it's uh, it's an adaptation for sure. It really is different. There are some technical difficulties, as you know, from time to time. People are working at home. I've got three eight-year-olds and a dog, so. Every now and then you hear a child's voice in the background or a puppy barking. Uh, everyone's working from home. I have a live view camera set up in my home office, and Anna Page and Robert have computers or, or Skype capability at their uh, respective homes. So we kind of do it's almost like a, a Zoom meetup, almost like, and we are able to chat golf, not as lengthy as we normally would on a two hour morning drive, but we're doing kind of bits and pieces, half-hour shows right now. I've interviewed Kevin Na uh, this week, um, and I interviewed Rafa Cabrera-Bello uh, during what would have been Masters Week. I spoke to Jack Nicklaus and Jack Nicklaus II and Trevor Immelman. Uh, we had Ben Crenshaw on the show. Gary talked to him. So it's been, it's been different, but we're adapting as everyone else is uh, who's listening as well. Yeah, that's awesome. So there was some breaking news today. There's been some chatter about this uh, match between Tiger Woods and Phil. Fill us in on that. Yeah, you know, the match now has a match, too. It's called uh, Champions for Charity. And, you know, the first match was okay, not a lot of Tiger and Phil with partners 
uh, Tigers are huge sports fans. Phil and Brady, or, or Peyton and Brady are huge golf fans. So it's going to be quite a show. We'll be on TNT in May. Rumored to be played at Medalist down in South Florida. Uh, I imagine you'll see, gosh, birdies and sandies and greenies and chippies and barkies and sharkies and automatic two-down presses. Uh, a lot of trash talking, a lot of dots on the scorecard, a lot of junk available, and a lot of fun. Yeah, I love it. And um, if it, um, anybody hasn't seen the Peyton Manning, Tom Brady interview that they did while playing at Jim Nance's house, you know, his backyard uh, look-alike par three of number seven at Pebble, uh, that's one you want to check out. Oh, absolutely. And how about that backyard, which has been so much run in the last couple of years, where Phil Mickelson, if I'm not mistaken, made a hole-in-one uh, on, on uh, Nance's replica par three-seventh hole in the backyard. And, you know, uh, Tom Brady and Peyton have played the AT&T quite a bit through the years at Pebble Beach and obviously through Jim Nance's connections to golf and football. Uh, very friendly with Peyton and, and, and Brady. And I can tell you that I've covered the NFL, obviously, back when I was a sports writer at the New York Times and Sports Illustrated. Peyton Manning, one of the great interviews in all of sports. I always enjoyed talking with him. He always gave a reporter exactly what you were looking for, and I always enjoyed interviewing him. And I'm pumped that he'll get some uh, TV time as a golfer alongside his good buddy, Tiger Woods. In fact, Tiger and uh, Peyton have played together, as you know, Holly, in the in the Bay Hill Pro Am yes. uh, back in the day. Yep, that's true. I think it's going to be really fun, really terrific. They're stepping up, especially given the time for uh, COVID nineteen relief. I think there there was a little bit of uh, blowback on the last one that um, you know part of that event didn't have a charity component, but I think the timing of this will be fantastic and. Golf fans are craving for for some uh, golf on TV. Yeah, I mean, I, I unlike everybody, you can only watch the highlights and the old stuff so long. We, we want some fresh stories, some fresh golf shots struck, and uh, we want the resumption of of life as normal. But we also know that hey, we're in the midst of a pandemic. It's unprecedented in our lifetime. You know, save the 1918-1919 Spanish flu, which. Coincidentally enough, I've had my children read about as part of their homeschool curriculum just to give them a sense of, of what it was like in the early 1900s when 675,000 Americans uh, passed away due to the Spanish flu. So, you know, these are different times. You know, everyone's out in the public wearing masks, even on the golf course. I, I played. My buddy had uh, his cart. I had my cart. Flag sticks were left in. Uh, rakes were out of the bunker. Uh, it was uh, – these are, are challenging in different times, and I think it's going to be uh, several months, if not years, um, of, of social distancing and, and even the sports world doing things a little bit differently. Kevin and I was speaking about some of the potential protocols that the PGA Tour has been discussing uh, in terms of you know when they start up, which is going to be the middle of June at the Colonial in Texas. Uh, share a little bit about, you know, what he said about that. Yeah, I appreciated Kevin's clarity and honesty about what the tour is planning to do, and that's having these tests and these kits sent to the players even before they get 
on property. So testing at home and then testing for COVID-19 once they get on property. And, and Kevin appreciated that and said, hey, he's a little bit nervous because it's a great unknown. What's the world going to look like in June? What's Fort Worth, Texas going to be like in June? Where will we be in this you know, effort to flatten the curve, as all the experts and doctors are saying. So he says he wants to do his part. Um, he and a couple other Las Vegas resident golfers, Ryan Moore and Scott Piercy, the three of them, with, along with Kevin, are going to fly together, you know, maybe charter a private plane uh, and stick together and try to limit all of the interactions that you normally would have during a golf tournament week. Stay together. Um, limit contact with other people, do everything they can. That's kind of part of the, the new protocols that the PJ Tour is going to put in place, but also just some of the things that players, you know, taking it upon themselves uh, to show some some awareness and effort to keep themselves safe and to keep the caddies safe and the volunteers, whoever's going to be on property, uh, should this tournament take place in mid-June. Now, of course, we know there's been a whole shuffling of the schedule that's going to give us a very loaded fall of golf if everything goes according to the current schedule. The big question marks, the Ryder Cup, Damon. You know, we could probably live with most of the, you know, normal tournaments without fans. But then you look at the majors and then you look at the Ryder Cup. No event bigger than that that's turned into all about the fans, all about the mano a mano, country to country. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, Holly G, I spoke to Seth Waugh this week, the CEO of the PGA of America, and he said it's one thing to perhaps do a PGA championship without fans, and that's one thing that they have broached at Harding Park um, or somewhere else if San Francisco's not ready to host. But he said a Ryder Cup without fans would be very, very difficult to pull off. They've looked into some virtual things, maybe trying to do, but, you know, the energy around a Ryder Cup, and in particular the first tee of a Ryder Cup, is one of the great scenes in all of sports. You just can't duplicate that energy and that emotion and that pressure without having fans on property. So my uh, guess and my hunch, and just from talking to Seth and others, uh, if this – pandemic is not slowed down by September and October, uh, you're not going to see a Ryder Cup in 2020. You'll see it delayed to 2021. You just can't have a Ryder Cup. You don't have Patrick Reed sushing, you know, a crowd in 2014. You don't have Reed and Rory playing to the crowd in 2016 at Hazeltine. It just doesn't work. A Ryder Cup does not work without fans. I think a major could potentially work without fans. It would be different. But a Ryder Cup, I just can't see how you pull it off uh, without that that you know essential element of a crowd uh, on every tee box and every green. Absolutely. I look back to uh, Kiowa and Brookline and Medina. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, those were just iconic scenes, and, and they're etched in our memory in large part because of the noise. And I was at the K-Club in 2006 when Darren Clark played – Months after losing his wife, Heather, to cancer, he was a group with um, Lee Westwood was his partner on that Friday morning. They teed off together, and I've never heard a roar so loud as I did on that Friday when that crowd in Ireland was cheering for, for Darren Clark, who, who played through grief 
uh, and helped lead Europe to a victory over the United States. Ian Ruslan was the captain for Europe. Tom Lehman was the captain for the United States. And the Americans, as disappointed as they were to lose, they were happy for Darren Clark to be an essential part of that European victory. And the crowd that week was emotional, loud, and essential. Really, really special story. Um, golf seems to have these moments that, uh, you know, just rise and transcend above the golf itself, which is part of the reason we love it so much. And I know you've been doing some other things in your spare time. Share with my listeners uh, what you're, what you're, what you're doing. Yeah, a couple things I've been doing. I've launched a, a wine blog called Goats and Grapes. Goats standing for greatest of all time and in sports. There's so many athletes that have gotten into wine uh, from Drew Bledsoe, former number one pick out of Washington State who played for the Patriots before Tom Brady. Of course, you know, the golfers like Luke Donald, Ernie Els, David Frost have their own wine. So I've kind of launched a, a Goats and Grapes website and in, in, uh, Instagram page about the appreciation that intersects between sports and wine. And I've also done a top 10 list of my favorite golf books and offer them to, to, to readers on golfchannel.com and mention some books that a lot of us know, like The Match by Mark Frost. You know, uh, speaking of you know, the Monterey Peninsula, a great match, uh, Byron Nelson and Ben Hogan against Harvey Ward and Ken Venturi on Cypress Point. And that's one of my favorite golf books, if not my favorite golf book, a course called Scotland. A wonderful book by Tom Coyne, who spent a, a good part of a year playing all over uh, the Scottish Isles. So golf, you know, it's a special game, and the literature in golf is special as well. So I think in this time where we can't play as much as we want, can't watch as much as we want, we can still read as much as we want. Yeah, not a bad time to bone up on some classics, too, when it comes to instruction. Of course, Hogan's book and let's not forget Harvey Pinnock's Little Red Book. So absolutely, a, a few that are on my shelf. That uh, this is a this is a good time to be brushing up on some of the basics. Jack Nicklaus, Golf My Way, Hogan's Five Fundamentals. Uh, absolutely right. Uh, Harvey Pinnock's uh, Little Red Book. I mean, the, the literature in golf, the history, the instruction. There's so much to look back on and appreciate, and I think. You know, no one wants to take a deep breath for this long. Um, but if you're going to do it, do it alongside a good book. Do it alongside maybe some family members and friends. I've at least been enjoying some family bonding time. Even hitting chip shots in the backyard with my boys if we can't get out to the golf course. Um, I've enjoyed the, the family time I've been able to, to share because I know it's time I'm not going to be able to ever get back. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, three triplets, age eight. It doesn't get any better than that. It doesn't get any better or any busier. I that's right. You. Well, it's always, always special to spend some time with you, Damon. Appreciate it. And I hope you and the family stay well. And let's get out there and tee it up, my friend. Looking forward to it, Holly. You stay safe as well. And I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Damon.